This is the Family Passport Podcast, Episode 3, Everything You Didn't Know You Wanted to Know About Portugal. What was your favorite thing in Portugal that you discovered? I think we went to a place called Bounce, a trampoline place, and that was my favorite thing. Why was that your favorite place? Because we got to do a lot of different um, play things like soccer and basketball, dodgeball. There was this like snowboarding thing that I got to do. Let's get your adventure started. It's the Family Passport Podcast. Join the Barlow family as they travel to Portugal and Paris in this season of FPP. Let us show you how to get your travel on with kids. It's by far the most peaceful place that I've ever been on the planet. Even the kids were calm. When you're walking through the middle of it, you're just in awe of what happened right here. It's humbling. Hey, welcome back to the Family Passport Podcast. I'm Scott. And I'm Alyssa. And we're here to be able to take you into Portugal because we spent a short portion of our, our trip this this last time in and around on and near Portugal. Now, why did we end up over there? Because that, uh, I don't know, you people might ask, why did you go to Portugal? Well, Portugal was kind of really the catalyst for the whole trip. Uh, my brother and his family are in the military and stationed in, um, well, I guess outside of Lisbon, Portugal. They live in the Sintra area. Uh, and so we wanted to go over there and see them for Christmas and we decided to stay and explore the area. So that's that's how we ended up going. But what I didn't know about Portugal, and I don't know, maybe you already knew this and <laughs> you're like, duh, Scott, but I did not understand how beautiful Portugal is everywhere. Yeah, I, I didn't know that either. I had no idea. It is a bit like walking back in time, partially because the buildings are so old. Many of the buildings are, are very, very old, at least much older than compared to most buildings here in the state. But then you've got cobblestone everywhere you go. And it just has this almost little village type feel just about any place. Even if you're in the city, even if you're in Lisboa, then it it still feels very, very small, very quaint, very cozy. I don't know. How did, how did, how did you... How did you think about that? How'd you take that? Yeah, I would describe all those things. Um, they're very, there was a lot of attention to detail, I think is what um, kind of piqued my interest. Um, they make ceramic tiles over there and they hand paint them and they are everywhere on the buildings, everywhere. in the sidewalks, on, <clears throat> excuse me, on road signs, uh, in the houses, in the public restrooms. I mean, they were just everywhere and they're gorgeous. Absolutely. Absolutely gorgeous. So we 
only spent a short period of time over in <laughs> over in Portugal, and Alyssa actually even spent less time than I got to. Unfortunately, we had a we had a fairly tragic event. Alyssa's grandma had passed away about one day before we left on on the trip. So you took a you took a short trip back to the back to the states. Yeah. So my brother and I um, left for I guess it ended up being five days total. Um, to fly back to the state so that we could be with our family for the funeral services. Um, so that was kind of an unexpected detour, I guess. Um, I was glad I had my brother with me to <clears throat> make the trip. Yeah, but at least you, you at least you made it back. This was right over Christmas, by the way. At, at least you made it back on late on Christmas late Day. On Christmas Day, yeah, it was kind of a uh, don't try and make international flights uh, the day before Christmas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's just that's not an advisable time to fly. If you're a, a week out before Christmas, I think you're probably pretty good. After Christmas, you're pretty good. The day of and the day before Christmas, not such a good time for international flights. We ended up uh, we were the funeral was in Montana. And Montana weather is kind of unpredictable as it is. Although our flight was not delayed due to weather, it was delayed due to mechanical issues. We missed our international connection. And international connections are not easy to replace anyway, let alone the fact that it was two days before Christmas. (laughs) There you go. You heard it here first. Just in case you couldn't have already guessed it, family family passport podcast tip. Number uh, 497, I don't know. Don't fly international around Christmas. Yeah. Surprise, surprise. So even though this was a much more, much smaller portion of our trip, we still wanted to kind of comprise it, uh, kind of uh, compress it, I guess is probably the word I'm looking for, into one episode for you. Because Portugal was such an amazing place. First of all, we're planning on going back, right? For sure, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We want to see more of it. I want, want to, to see more of it. Yes. Scott got to see more than I did, but... I want to see more of it. It was absolutely gorgeous. It was um, kind of unexpected beauty, I guess. I mean, we knew it was close to the ocean, um, but I just, it was a different uh, climate than I expected, I guess. Yes. Yeah, we knew it was certainly around the Mediterranean area. Didn't understand, maybe naively didn't understand just just how how much of that was... I don't know, built into, <laughs> built into Portugal. Yeah. And so much so that one of the things that we learned along the way, and we'll tell you a little bit more about this and we'll, we can jump right into it because, because one of the things that, that we got to see a lot of were different castles in Portugal. And we discovered that many kings, many uh, prestigious people over a long period of time had made, made areas of Portugal both their vacation home or their permanent home so that was really really interesting to me especially the coastal areas it's just oh my goodness you'll by the way go over to familypassport.co and you can see some of the some of the photos that we have over there and particularly some of the that are nearby the coast and you can get an idea of just how how beautiful this is and what type of landscape and just how (laughs) how how wonderful this is! I'm, I'm, uh, words are escaping me. So you've got to see the pictures. So yeah. you'll, we'll talk about some of the pieces along the way here. But one of the things that I mentioned was the castles, right? That was, that was actually a ton of fun. I did, I had no idea until we started doing some research into it that there were so many different types of castles, not just on the coast, but all throughout Portugal, right? 
Yeah, I mean, we had heard my brother and his family, you know, when we we're preparing to go over there, and we'd had some tips from some other people, you know, you need to visit these areas, and you need to see this, this, and this, and we didn't know what any of it was until we got there and realized everything everyone had told us to see was a different castle, and it was like, oh, I didn't know all of these huh. were castles, and there they all look totally different. They're from different time periods, they're completely different architecture style, but yet each of them definitely was worth seeing. I mean... It, it was very it was very interesting. So there's way more than we can talk about in in this show, in this episode. So we wanted to go through some of the the ones that were our favorites and we got the opportunity to see and kind of describe to you what they are and why. And particularly, we're going to talk about the castles in Sintra. Now, we had we had a couple of <laughs> couple of favorites there. One of the interesting things about here and part of the reason that we want to talk about uh, Sintra, it's interesting because they have four drastically different styles and time periods of castles, each within 10 to 15 minutes of each other right there in the in the village, which is pretty cool. So you don't have to go very far. So if you're planning your stay in, in Portugal, that's one of the areas, if you can stay close by to Sintra, which, by the way, is only about an hour from, from Lisbon, um, roughly an hour from, from Lisbon, to be able to to be able to make it to that area. So even if you're staying in Lisbon, it's still very, very doable to be able to go and hit some of these castles. So you want to want to tell them a little bit about what these castles were. First of all, which ones were they? So we ended up visiting the Penna Palace, um, which on the grounds or I guess next to the Penna Palace, I don't know how you would describe the uh, closeness of them, but there's um, the Moorish Castle or the Moorish Ruins, what's left of the Moorish Castle. And then the other one we visited was Quinta de Regulara. Um, we did not make it. We saw it from the outside, but did not make it to the National Palace of Sintra. That is definitely one we would we would do going back. Yeah. We're able to see it from the outside. The outside was absolutely gorgeous, absolutely amazing. Has uh, two, two pointed peaks. And again, go over to, to do it justice. Go over to familypassport.co and you can search castles in Portugal and then we'll have a have a post pop right up where you can see a lot of this uh, very very easily but one of the one of our favorites was Quinta de Regalera and here's here's why it first of all let me give you a little bit of history on this because each of these are really really rich in in history many of them have changed hands numerous times or been built on over the years and this is actually one of the newer historic places in in Sintra and in Portugal in general and by newer I still mean it's you know a couple hundred years old right so the land that is now Quinta de Regulera has it's had a ton of owners over the years it belonged to the Viscountess of Regulera and you know she came from a family of wealthy merchants and they were from Porto which is northern Portugal and then later on it was sold in 1892 to Carvalho Monteiro and Monteiro was really really interesting because he turned this into a a place where it completely reflected his interests and quite frankly it was like a huge huge playground so he he, with the help of an Italian architect that he hired, who ended up working on this over a period of 12 years and devoted a pretty significant portion of his life to it, he created this pretty, pretty large estate and turned it into this playground. So he added at a bunch of buildings. Every single one of these holds tons of symbols that are alchemy related, uh, Masonic related, um, symbols related to the Knights Templar. 
uh, quite a, quite a few things are are built into this. So really, really interesting and rich in history and just how it was added to along the way as well. So today, the Portuguese Ministry of Culture has actually classified the estate as public interest property. They own it now, and you can go in at any point in time or many times throughout the year. So this was this was a pretty big hit with the kids, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, so, you know, our kids, as we mentioned in other episodes, if you haven't listened to them, are nine, seven, and six. So um, as you would imagine, our kids think of castles in the form of Disney. So this castle, Quinta de Regulara, when we walked up to the outside of the castle, <clears throat> their interpretation was a Cinderella castle. It has the big turrets on it. Um, it has, you know, your main castle with the... Uh, pointed peak at the top um just very classic what you would think of castle structure we'll talk about some of the other because all of the castles had a different architectural structure um but this one was and um the kids also liked you could climb up all of the turrets on the inside so big spiral staircases up to the top of the turret and you could look out and see the property it's like um, this thing was built for kids. There were secret yeah, passageways. Sure. There's underground tunnels. Yeah, underground tunnels. There's caves. There's places where you know it lights up in there. There are, yeah, the turrets that you mentioned. It is is just like one big massive playground. And this one was all very kids kid friendly. The paths were wide open. They were um, they had railings on the sides. The turrets that you could walk up. Um, I don't believe there were railings in them, but the, I mean you're small enough that the staircases. We're not super steep. It wasn't, you know, we did we weren't worried about the kids falling down the stairs or over the side of the turret or anything like that. Um, we'll mention when we get to Penapalace that that was a, a bit of a different feel, but yeah, as well as the the more the marsh ruins, ruins in ruins, particular, no handrails, yeah. yeah, you know, forty foot death drops, you know, kind of a kind of a drastic difference. So this one is definitely good for kids. The kids enjoyed exploring. There was a well that you could walk all the way down to the bottom of the well. Um, and then there were a bunch of open tunnels underneath the well. Um, and Scott really enjoyed one part of that. So I'll let him explain that part to you. Well, this was this was super interesting because uh, this is actually one of my favorite, favorite parts. So this initiatic well that Alyssa was talking about, you can actually follow it all the way down to the bottom and you go down a whole bunch of stories you go down this spiral staircase beautiful tile of course the same tile that Alyssa had mentioned which has been produced for years and years and years in Portugal for um, extremely long period of time and just as beautiful no matter how old it is and then you enter this underground passageway and the underground passageway splits into a couple of different areas if you take the left side you actually walk maybe a hundred more yards 150 uh, you know, probably about a hundred yards. And then it leads to this waterfall and grotto area. And here you find this pond where water is just this very, very vivid green, kind of a, kind of a teal green. And you've got, what's really interesting about this is the water is so still it's got, it's got, I don't know, probably different types of ponds come and stuff that's developed on it, which doesn't sound all that appealing, but it makes for this just beautiful visual masterpiece because uh, it it causes the water to not be able to move that much. And then when you walk around the other side of it, the cave pops out and you can literally walk across the water. They have footstones placed across the water. He built this into it. So uh, you literally walk on the water almost. And that was that was not only beautiful, but kind of fun. Uh, you may have freaked out a little bit. 
I was a little paranoid. We were with our youngest. We had the the youngest one. We didn't have the older two with us. The older two were with um, their aunt and uncle and cousins. They went a different way in the well than we did. Um, And yeah, I I did not like the idea of our youngest walking across the stones, uh, mostly because he's probably our... Uh, least attentive to anything else surrounding him and he likes to hop skip and jump everywhere he goes instead of paying attention to anything um so he also falls down a lot yeah he does fall down a lot i was a little paranoid about letting him go out there i really don't know how deep the water it was i think there may have been a sign somewhere that said how deep it was but um it couldn't have been that deep maybe not so yes he probably could have fallen and it was probably a high likelihood right and <laughs> Alyssa wasn't super excited about it either way when you get there you're going to uh you're going to be amazed at just how <laughs> how beautiful this is so if you do walk across though then it takes you back up onto the back up onto the normal path and then you can continue about your journey so when you go there absolutely have to take take your time to walk all the way down the initiatic well because most people don't realize that it's down there many people were just going through going through the initial tunnel heading up out of the initiatic well because it's much much closer to the top when you come out Mm -hmm. and away they went never knowing that there's this grotto at the bottom through the through the caves so very very cool now you know now this was this was kind of interesting in general because we went when it wasn't tourist season we went in the middle of the winter well, yeah, middle of the winter. In 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 <laughs> Portugal, that means, you know, like 50 degree weather or something like that. We went on a on a Well, no, let's see. It was a really nice day the yeah, day was, that we were it there. It was a actually. beautiful day that day. Yeah. So, middle of winter in Portugal, slightly different from Moses Lake, Washington, where we live the rest of the year. And yeah, we've got <laughs> we have all kinds of snow and, you know, sub-zero weather sometimes and and whatever else not that not that at all polar opposite but if you're if you're in tourist season one of the things that uh, that we found out is you're probably going to have difficulty getting a parking spot near the entrances was really really easy in the off season so one of the things that we would suggest is taking a taxi taking a taxi either to quinta de regular or parking someplace near the bottom and they actually have little tuk-tuks which are like these three-wheeled vehicles that uh, drivers sitting around waiting to just take you to the top and for a couple of euros you can hop on one of these tuk-tuks and they'll just drive you to the top and then you don't have to walk up this very massive hill if you've got tons of little kids uh, then that looks real appealing really quickly if you're going to have to go a really long period of time otherwise if you enjoy the walk then hey go to town it's it's less than a mile yeah, and we walked it, and it wasn't terrible, but there are not sidewalks. Um, you are literally walking on the edge of the road. The roads are fairly narrow. And you've got tour buses and cars um, tour flying buses, around Tour cars going by. Um, and like we said, we weren't there during a high tourist season, so it while it was still busy, it wasn't crazy busy. I would imagine if you were there in the summer, and my brother and his wife said that when they have taken people there during the summer, it can get pretty crazy. So it would probably be easier to take a taxi or like we said, park at the bottom and take one of those little tuk-tuks up the hill. They're kind of cool. We didn't have the opportunity um, because we kind of ran out of time to do stuff to take one. We actually kind of wanted to do one in Lisbon um, or Lisboa, as Scott said, that's what they call it in Portugal. Um, So if you go over there, you won't see Lisbon written on anything. You'll see Lisboa written on everything. Um, so yeah, anyway, that kind of sums up Quinta de Regulara. 
Um, so I guess we could move on to yeah. Let's talk about Penna Palace. Palace. So by the way, this was this was <laughs> this was Grayson's favorite. Yes. So like I said, um, thinking of it in terms of Disney castles, when our kids saw this one, they said, this is Aladdin's castle. So if you're familiar with Aladdin, um, it has much more of the rounded. um, I don't even know. What is that called? It has rounded instead of uh, cylinder turrets. It has rounded turrets at the top um, and it was orange and red and our Grayson's favorite color is orange. So of course he loved the castle because it was the orange castle. Yeah. This very vivid yellow and orange and red. Yeah. Just colors everywhere. This was, this was really, really interesting. Just you've probably seen this castle and didn't even know that you've possibly seen it before. Yeah. (laughs) You'd probably recognize it in a picture or it'll just look vaguely familiar. So this sits on the hilltop the highest point on the hilltop, in fact, above Sintra, and it's not very far away, like we said, from the Castle of the Moors, the Moorish Ruins. You can visit the gardens here. You can visit the palace. You can purchase admission to both, whatever you want to do. I would highly recommend, if you have an extra uh, 25, 30 minutes, to actually go into the castle. And our, <laughs> our, our kids actually loved seeing the bedrooms of all the kings and queens and other people that have lived in this palace. They thought that was amazing. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of, unfortunately, the day that we were there, the weather was not good. Um, It was really rainy. It was really windy. And so uh, we opted for the castle first because we were trying to get out of the elements, basically. Um, If you are there on a nice day or in the summertime, um, although it would be much busier in the summer because that's the tourist season, this castle also has, I can't remember, was it like 50 hectare acres, which I don't remember what that translated to in regular acres, but a lot of property. There's a lot of property around this castle, gardens, paths. Um, and it's gorgeous. It was gorgeous when we were there in December. I can only imagine how much more gorgeous it would be in the springtime or summer. So this is one, if you have the time to explore the grounds on and you want to walk around, this is a good one to walk around and explore the grounds of because there's lots of them, but the castle is definitely also worth seeing the inside of. It's, it's one that is fairly kid friendly as far as things go to, like mm-hmm. there wasn't, there wasn't tons that they could get into that they mm-hmm. would, could grab. A lot of stuff was behind glass cases or, you know, roped off or whatever it might be. So it was, <laughs> you, you could go in here and actually enjoy yourself too. You're, you know, we've got little kids that are into everything, every, very active, highly energetic little kids. And, uh, you know, later we'll talk about, you know, Paris, but our, <laughs> our kids were we, we were the Americans we stood out at every park we went to and everything like that so you can imagine us walking through a castle 100 year old uh, you know hundreds of years of uh, old antiquities and all kinds of other stuff in here and at first we were a little worried find out that this castle was actually rather amazing as far as uh, kid friendliness kid proof whatever you want to call that so um Highly recommend it. Check it out. And again, go check out pictures of this thing. Well worth just taking a moment to, to look at it and appreciate how this thing was built. And this also had a number of different owners. I won't go into the into the history on this one, but you can find out more. Um, just search our search storming the castles of Portugal or castles of Portugal and it'll pop right up. There's an article that tells more about this. Uh, this particular castle and some of the history on it that we've put on our site for you to check out along with some of those photos. Okay. Let's talk briefly about uh, moving on 
and you can actually purchase, by the way, you can purchase and save some money if you want to do the Moorish ruins, the old Turkish uh, castle of the Moors, and Penapalace in the same day. You get a discount when you purchase tickets to both. And that's something that if you if you have the time, want to make a day out of this, maybe eat lunch in the middle someplace in there, uh, or spend a couple hours at both, then would highly advise you to do that. Really, really easy to easy to do. In fact, I believe you can still save an additional amount if you purchase your tickets online versus going in there. Okay, so the Moorish Ruins, we went on a day that was incredibly windy. And from what we understand, this is actually rather normal during certain times of the year where it gets pretty windy. And as we mentioned earlier, the Barsh Castle, not at all kid-friendly. We yeah, braved it so anyway, mm-hmm. but if you've got if you've got kids that aren't so sure-footed or maybe you've got little teeny tiny kids, I would advise either carrying them or skipping this one on the more windy days because those 40-foot death drops we mentioned earlier, yeah, I mean, you, you walk up the side, and most of what's left are the walls, right? The walls the and some of the turrets, walls, yeah. and that's it. And part of the walls have decayed. And mm-hmm. first of all, this was this was much older as far as castles go, so uh, they're just, <laughs> they're, there aren't as many walls. It's, you know, they built castles differently hundreds of years before that. Right. So, yeah, um, worth worth making the trip was gorgeous because you get you get to see this wonderful view of of the village of centra Mm -hmm. and also see lisbon you can see the ocean you can see the mountains yeah um if you are into panoramic views this is definitely one that you want to make the trip um it's a lot of stairs it's a lot of walking uh, but you reach amazing heights and you can see a lot of different stuff from up there and it's gorgeous. I wish that it wasn't such a um, not so good weather day when we were there. I would like to go back and actually walk more of the outside. We only walked one very small section of it because it was super windy and the kids really couldn't handle much more than that. We may or may not have had a couple of breakdowns. Yeah. Actually, uh, we can laugh about it now, but uh, both our oldest daughter and then our niece, who is 11, right? Is she 11? 10, 11, someplace in there. 11. She's a little older. Anyway, at one point, both of them literally just sat down on the stairs and started crying. So we can laugh about it now, but uh, at the time, it, it... yeah, we kind of had to haul them up to the highest point that we could get. They got <laughs> to a three-minute so pep talk, and pictures. yeah, we carried on. So yeah, uh, just just be prepared for all of that and understand what you're getting into. Yeah. Well worth it. I'm so, so glad that we it. did it. Yeah, I'm so glad that we pep talked and right. prodded and carried part of the way because those views were absolutely amazing. Yeah, and like Scott said, we have pictures of what we saw um, on the familypassport.co if you want to go take a look at those. Um, So yeah, other than that, there isn't much to the Moorish ruins, like we said, except walking the outside walls of what's left of the castle, basically. They do have several several excavation sites and some archaeological sites where they've uh, dug up part of the areas if you walk around the grounds they've got lots of different lots of different pieces and lots of different history along the way that's one thing that was rather amazing Um, uh, Portugal in general has done a very very nice job of making available the really more interesting parts of history and making that uh, making it 
around convenient and easy to see and easy to understand so they have placards and and signs and all kinds of other stuff so you know and understand what each piece of it is so even if you didn't go through this with a guide and there are guided tours available then you're still going to get a rather great experience there are some other areas and we'll talk about later in the trip where you know we wouldn't necessarily recommend some of them without a guided tour this is one where you're still going to get a lot out of it how about how about uh, some other castles? We mentioned we mentioned the National Grand Palace of Sintra. Uh, that's one that also is right near that right near that area. There are many, many, many others that are within an hour, two hours away from that same area or from Lisbon. Um, take your pick totally depends on what kind of castles you want to see they're ranging from a lot of different time periods a lot of different styles and probably almost all of them are going to be very very fun and very interesting to visit but these were some of our favorites and also very conveniently located and just absolutely rich in history too yeah so i think the only other um which i guess we could talk about this later we could talk about it now the other one that we went to is called obadosh and it isn't technically a castle it's actually a walled city and I can't remember who it was that had it built. Maybe Scott remembers that. Uh, a, a, some royal person, person of royalty, had it built for their He built for wife. his wife. Um, I don't remember why she wanted a walled city, but they built well, a walled if city. You gotta have, if you got to have something, <laughs> you know, might as well have a walled city. So, right? Um, you don't, are you saying you don't want a walled city? I do not want a walled city. Bummer. <laughs> I, I was just... I was just shopping for walled cities for you. <laughs> so Obadosh has a different feel to it. It was uh, um, inside the walled city. They have turned it into a medieval village, basically, uh, which the kids thought was um, really, the, it was really fun for the kids. They loved it there. They loved the medieval feel. They loved looking at all the medieval stuff. Uh, and when we were there, it was a snow village theme because we were there at Christmas. They do different types of themes throughout um, the so year. So yeah, depending on when you go, they have different types of themes inside the walled city in this case we were i don't know we we have snow all the time where we're at and both right. of us and i grew up with lots and lots of snow so we were less than impressed because they had this uh, massive long line leading up to <laughs> this <laughs> this uh, place where you sat on a tube and went down this uh, supposedly there was snow and ice on it but i didn't really see very much a very tall kind of almost hilled or at least slanted area basically think big pink slide at a carnival with ice on it and you sit on an inner tube instead of a potato sack (laughs) it was so the kids of course portugal could experience sledding right and there was an ice skating rink also which had a line equally as long if you're uh, from minnesota or (laughs) someplace like that you will be less than impressed so that part wasn't so impressive but the rest of the medieval village setup was pretty impressive in obadosh if you want to go there and you could also walk up the outside walls uh, much like the moorish ruins you could walk up the outside walls and see outside the walled city so that was kind of fun for the kids um so i guess that pretty much sums up the castles that we went to like scott said there's a lot of others if you're interested in exploring castles or you find some different ones um let's talk about fatima yeah so we spent we spent half a day in in fatima and Mm -hmm. we happen to be catholic so visiting fatima was rather amazing and worth the time and 
regardless of whether you're Catholic or anything else along those lines, you may or may not know the story. And regardless of your religious beliefs, this this what happened in this small town is really, really interesting. Because in 1916, there were these three young shepherd children and they saw an angel and it appeared to them in the middle of the in the field and yeah, laying with the sheep. And um, that may or may not have been chance. Right. Depending on whatever you believe. And regardless of whatever you believe. But later, on May 13th, 1917, they saw an apparition of Mary appear to them. And she came to ask them to pray the rosary daily to end World War One. And three months earlier, the Portuguese just joined the front lines. So what was, what was really interesting is, uh, if you're looking for evidence of this or whatever else, she had and and the kids uh, after after you know seeing this apparition had predicted a miracle that was going to happen later on in October of that year and you know she said they said when she appeared to them she was brighter than the sun and wore this white mantle etched with gold and held a rosary and she appeared to them a total of six times near this near this area and that miracle that she forecast was the sun's dance which uh, again you, you know I don't know <laughs> maybe you believe it maybe you don't but over 30,000 people um, estimated you know, upwards much, much higher amount of that actually could see this this miracle that was predicted in advance. And the odd part was it was only only be able to witness from from Portugal. So since then, though, Fatima has become this this site where people make pilgrimages and many people of Christian or Catholic faith, they hold it in pretty high revere. Right. So why did you enjoy Fatima so much? Um, actually, my favorite part of Fatima was the um, sanctuary or the church that was built in honor of the children. Um, there, like Scott said, people make pilgrimages from uh, different places in Portugal to Fatima. Um, there is actually like a, a pilgrimage path that you can make within the church and around the church. Um, it's I, interesting because uh, oh, I was just going to point out that when we say pilgrimage, part of the pilgrimage, what it involves is people walking on their knees about all the way around this path. And this is no small pathway. No. So all. the church itself is fairly large, but then the grounds around the church, or I, I guess if you want to call them the grounds anyway, there's this point where you start outside the church um, and it's all cement or stone of some sort. And you, the, the last part of the pilgrimage is to, um, walk or shuffle on your knees or crawl on your knees. I don't know how really I don't know, there's a lot of people on their it. knees rolling yeah. around Fatima. That's, um, <laughs> you go down this long path and then around the outside, um, there's a, a sanctuary, a church, a chapel outside of the main church that you go around on your knees. Um, most of the people there doing it were praying rosaries while they were doing it. Um, so to me, being Catholic and seeing so many people in one location, um, and most people, I mean, obviously you don't know exactly what they're praying for, but most people, when you pray to Our Lady of Fatima or um, a, a version of Mary, um, in Fatima's case is for peace because that's, what, that's why she came to the children was for world peace. Um, so to me, just seeing all those people holding the same faith and praying for that was really it's moving. moving. Yeah, I think that's the right word for it. Mm -hmm. So again, you know, regardless of what you believe, you can go there and absolutely appreciate this. And it just happened to be particularly special for us just because 
of our beliefs. And I mean, even even to the point where the church we attend is named after this place. Yeah, so right? that was kind of fun with our kids being that the church that we attend is called Our Lady of Fatima. It was kind of nice to explain to the kids where that name came hey, here's, from. Here's this actual place. It's a yeah. place in the world. Weird. Yeah, and they got to see, you know, all the information about these three children. It was um, a brother and a sister and then their cousin. Um, and we got to see where they lived and um, where all the apparitions happened. And just to be able to explain that portion of our faith to our kids in real life, instead of just always saying, oh, well, this happened, you know, in Fatima, in this country of Portugal, way far away from where we are. We were actually there and they got to see the reality of it. And by the way, where the apparitions happened, that was actually my favorite part of of the whole trip. Since, I guess, long since it's it's happened, they've actually turned this place into, they've preserved um, almost all of it, but then they've turned part of it into a sanctuary. So you can actually walk through. And this was probably the most peaceful place I recall ever being, ever. Any place on the earth that I've ever visited anywhere. It was the weirdest not eerie feeling at all, but just incredibly, incredibly peaceful. And I'm sure part of part of how they have orchestrated that and part of, you know, they built pathways and, you know, stations of the cross that might mean something to you if you're Catholic, but, um, you know, they built all of, all of this stuff and, and then preserved the rest of the area. And so just very, very interesting. In fact, what you heard on the front side of the episode, that is, that is the, the sounds that were around from from that area and it's just just to get you an idea of just how incredibly peaceful it is and then yeah go ahead ahead. even the kids i mean we had explained to them you know before we went to all of this this is a holy area there are people praying here we need to be respectful of this area but even the kids kind of had a different demeanor walking through there like we said our kids are very active they like to run everywhere they like to race each other everywhere they go but even the kids there kind of had a different demeanor about them and Um, It was more calming. You could tell that this area definitely holds its own kind of peace. Yeah. So either it's really, really peaceful or they're pumping tranquilizers into the air over there or something. (laughs) But something was different. It made it incredibly peaceful feeling. So would absolutely recommend visiting that. Just really, really interesting, really rich history. And then this, (laughs) on the flip side of that, because so many people... So many people spend time going here. It is turned into a bit of a tourist area now. So you can appreciate part of that or you can look at that with disdain. Either way, it's uh, something to expect along the way. So you can get your Fatima t-shirt right next to the right next to the sanctuary and next to the churches. And I don't know, it was an interesting combination of those two things together. But it's turned this uh, what was a very, very, very poor uh, shepherding town into actually semi-thriving economy now. And also, obviously, it's become a very important place to a lot of people. So, yeah. Now, that wasn't the only thing to be able to see in in Portugal as well. well there were, oh my goodness, so many more than we're be going to be able to fit in here. But we want to pick out just a, just a couple others as well, besides some of the castles, besides some of the, besides uh, Fatima and the the walled cities which by the way you know i i actually did try and go get you a walled city and they don't <laughs> deliver it amazon prime so it's a little so i just i canceled the order you know um but if you if you go over to cash cash 
which by the way the portuguese uh their many of their s sounds are sh sounds so that took me a little bit of getting used to and uh got made fun of on my my accent for a little bit but now that now that we're used to it and prepped and you can be used to it too expect that going in many of those are soft s sounds or sh sh type sounds when you see an s but uh boca de inferno that was that was really interesting so the the mouth of fire and that was a how would you describe that oh it's just a cool um geological is that geo yeah it's a geological, geological. masterpiece yeah. now yeah <laughs> um it's where the ocean meets i can't remember what the ocean river there was some other what has a tendency to happen is the way that it uh, the way that the ocean has cut the running water um, ends up cutting into the the side of the coast. Um, there's lots and lots of rock there. So over time, what happens is it is it's wedged its way in there, and now yeah. when it hits up against it, it creates this massive spray. And yeah, it it was very 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 cool sight in the first place. And you can actually um, I took the kids down much much closer to it at first a little bit afraid because also you know it's wet 50 rock foot on death ocean, drops yeah. and wet rock and all kinds of other stuff and if you fall down you're not coming back in fact <laughs> um wasn't that long ago i think it was what did they say uh, a week no a couple months ago something before that people were taking pictures that was at the other one though. oh okay so lots of death drops in portugal <laughs> yeah. and lots of people falling over the edge so, so they're <laughs> not well known for um guarding or safeguarding the edges of things like we might be used to in america at tourist attractions like that they don't really put up guardrails or warning signs or, or much of anything much of anything else. like that so just be prepared for that yeah. um you know and we had kind of pre-warned the kids and use your own judgment don't die yeah don't die. So you heard yeah, it here so first. Boca de Inferno was where the ocean came in and into these caves, basically, and then created the spray as the tide goes up and down. Um, so lots of tourists there, not a lot of parking. Um, even though we were in the winter time, it was a really nice day. Uh, well worth going though for day. the tide pools, if nothing else. But yeah, that's for where sure. Took the kids down. They yeah. got to see crabs in the tide pools, and they were just enamored with that. Yeah. And. Uh, lots of great picture opportunities mm -hmm. there as well. Again, <laughs> watch for the wind because it's fairly right. windy on the coast in, in Portugal. Not a surprise, right? Um, so absolutely check that out. Another one, the most western point in all of Europe happens to be in Portugal, which if you look at a map, this is not a surprise. But it's called Cabo de la Roca, and it is... It is also a great picture opportunity, mm -hmm. and conveniently enough, there's actually a number of little restaurants uh, in, around that area within maybe 15, 20 minutes, too, so you can you could take a take a half-day drive over there. It's probably about, what, two hours from, two hours outside of, I can't quite recall. Oh, outside of Lisbon, maybe. I don't think outside it was Lisbon, that far yeah. from where... No, we were. It wasn't that far of a drive. We drove up there and then down the coastline back into... Um, Cash Kaish. I don't remember what the highway was that we were on. Lots of beautiful um, be beaches. But yeah, the all beaches on there. that coastline were amazing, and the kids had a blast. There were people surfing, even though it was December 26th or whatever day it was that we were driving. I mean, um, lots of big waves in the ocean there. It's a fairly popular surfing area year round, actually. Um, so it, if you can hit the coastline out there, it, it is gorgeous. It is definitely worth hitting. 
if you have if you're over in Portugal when you're over in Portugal and you have an extra day that's what I would suggest doing yeah drive up and down the coastline head towards Cabo de la Roca and then make a make at least a half day out of it eat lunch someplace around Cabo de la Roca there's a number of those little restaurants you can use TripAdvisor to find uh, find several of them and you can't really go wrong because the view is absolutely beautiful mm-hmm. at any one of those and then at the same time um you can hit, hit stop at i mean it's easy to stop at every little beach along the way they've got kind of drive in drive in places mm-hmm. for parking and stop at the, each of the beaches get out take a look wet your toes in the water <laughs> hop back in the car and continue heading up and down the coast yeah we'll be back we'll be absolutely back in portugal oh for sure yeah I could I could even see uh, making that a regular type of vacation. It's just so very peaceful, so beautiful, and inexpensive compared to many yes. other places in the world too. Yeah, surprisingly inexpensive, actually. Yeah. All right, hey, if you, if you want to check out all of this plus a lot more mentioned already, we've we've written a couple of different posts on Portugal specifically, and especially on the castles. If you're interested in that. Um, you have to check out those pictures, have to check out the photos. Uh, and this was this was easily one of the most beautiful places in, in the world that we've been to so far. Uh, we hope to find many more. But familypassport.co, search Portugal, and you'll get up all the stuff that, uh, that we have for you. All right. We'll see you, see you next time. Uh, see you next time. Adios. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Family Passport Podcast. Head on over to familypassport.co, that's familypassport.co, to learn how to travel with your kids, get travel tips, and even the tools that we've used to take amazing family trips. We'll see you next time on FPP. your favorite thing in Portugal? Well, the pretty much only thing we did, well, we did a few things. I think bounce. (laughs) Bounce? Yeah. (laughs) What was bounce? It's a trampoline place. Mm. Well, we did a lot of things. We went to a lot of castles. And we went to a lot of towns, right? Yeah. And, and Fatima. And Fatima. And churches and cathedrals and lots of restaurants. Was there anything else that you enjoyed besides Bounce? Bounce was pretty cool, though, huh? I enjoyed Penna Palace. Penna Palace. Why Penna Palace? Mostly because it was in inside in an inside activity. <laughs> <laughs> because it was super windy that day. Uh, and what happened because it was so windy? We kind of fell over a few times. <laughs> that sounds really windy. <laughs> You were there, too. Oh, yeah. I forgot. <laughs> I was. <laughs> Is there anything else you liked about Penna Palace? 
the furniture. Why did you like the furniture so much? Because of the pattern and the style. Mm. It was a pretty cool pattern and style. Because the style was different. Yeah. Than what we are used to now. Um, the castles. The castles. Why did you like the castles so much? Because they, they had the king's bed in, in it, and they they had all the other cool stuff, and they ha, had other stuff, and there was a drawbridge. And there was a drawbridge? That's a lot of stuff. Was that all in one castle? Yes. Which was your favorite castle? The red and, and yellow one. The red and yellow one? Pinna Palace? Yeah. That was pretty cool, huh? Did you have a second favorite? And oh no. And oh no? <laughs> Why did you like Pinna Palace so much? a store it did have a store that was pretty cool and you got to see the king and queen's bedroom huh yeah yeah <laughs>